Okay, we're going to be going to the book of Matthew tonight. If you want to be turning there. Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. I tried to stay on love. It just wasn't uh, happening. Uh, I tried. <laughs> I tried. I really did. Um, I would say how good that Pastor Susan did and Dylan, but what time and do they not do a good job? So they just do, they, they did great. And I wanted to, I'm not a rebel. So I wanted to stay, <laughs> I wanted to stay on course and I wanted to make Pastor proud of me. But it was just wasn't, wasn't going in that direction. We need to follow the Spirit, right? Yeah. In everything that we do. Um, so Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be reading the first three verses. Are you there? Okay. And seeing the multitudes, verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, and I'm in the King James Version if you, if you have a device. What's that? All right, yeah. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and he was set, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are, I say blessed, blessed, <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can we pray very quickly tonight? Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we're anointed already. Uh, anointed to speak, they're anointed to hear. And God, we're not just here to uh, just hear a word. As Brother Ken said, we're here to hear a rhema word tonight uh, that is going to produce a revelation uh, on the inside of us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was very fitting when Brother Ken said that about a rhema word, because I had talked to, well, anybody that stopped long enough and listened to me today, but Tanya and uh, and Dylan and about, and part of this tonight is not just receiving a word, but we need an anointed word. Yeah. We need a rhema word, but <clears throat> if... Uh, if you read these first three verses, and I know especially in faith churches, if you start talking about uh, encouraging people to live poor, <laughs> you can get in trouble. But we're going to see here just by a little dissecting, that's, that's not what Jesus was saying here. It said, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, if you were to scan across that quickly... Uh, somebody might get the idea in order to receive the kingdom of heaven that you'd have to be poor. Uh, that was uh, kind of, you know, scanning the word of God is what got me into a lot of trouble uh, when it comes to understanding the word of God. There was a guy that tried to give me a Bible, and that was actually the, the name of it was the Quick Scan Bible. And I was like, eh. <laughs> That's kind of what gets you in trouble when you just kind of scan over it. Uh, so that really is the thing. And if you have one, no, no disrespect to you at all. It just wasn't for me. Um, but someone might could get the idea that in order to receive, receive the kingdom of God, you'd need to be poor. Um, like I said, we don't scan, we study. Amen. Right? Um, I don't want the Cliff Notes version of the Word of God. Um, I, you know, in school, I would procrastinate uh, and have to do the cliff notes. 
And then I procrastinated on the cliff notes. So I just typically never got done. But we need full detail. We need to study Second Timothy in 2 and 15. You can just write this down. You don't have to turn there. Paul said to told Timothy to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, <clears throat> rightly dividing the word of truth. So we see uh, actually uh, two words here, study and ashamed. And when you see study, really what you're seeing there is a careful examination. So we carefully examine to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. That word ashamed there really uh, uh, translates out to discredit. Uh, we, don't, we need to carefully examine the word and not discredit what it's truly saying for, um, for ourselves and also when we're teaching other people. <laughs> well, we're not just giving... There's been a lot of times where I would want to teach something. Uh, I wanted it to say something else, but it wasn't saying that. You just kind of have to cross that out and go on and, um, and reapply yourself. Anyways, we're carefully examining these scriptures tonight, so let's break down this verse, verse 3 real quickly. Uh, poor in spirit. The word poor there uh, in the Strong's Dictionary, uh, again, I'm not going to try to pronounce these, so I'll spell them for you. And the, and the purpose in spelling really is just to let you know I did look this up, okay? <laughs> so you can go back and, and read it for yourself. Uh, P-T-O-C-H-O-S. Which, uh, now hang on here, let's, let's, really, let's really dissect these. The synonyms there are to uh, be a beggar, a, I think I'm saying this right, pauper, P-A-U-P-E-R. And here's another one, uh, mendicancy, M-E-N-D-I-C-A-N-C-Y. So when we, he when we read these three, well, the, the first two anyways, mendicancy, I didn't know what that was until Monday. Uh, but beggar and pauper, we kind of have a, an understanding of what that is. And I think when we define these words out, we're gonna, the, the light's going to start coming on and what we're going to be talking about tonight. But a beggar is a person that lives by asking for gifts. A person that lives by asking for gifts. And a pauper, am I saying that right? Pauper? is completely dependent upon help. And mendicancy is asking for help. The word poor in the Webster's Dictionary is uh, lacking, poverty, barren, and inadequate. So I think it'd be real good if we wrote those down. That way we're going to get a side-by-side -side here. Uh, we know through studying scripture that Jesus didn't come so that we could remain spiritually lacking in spiritual poverty, spiritually barren, or spiritually inadequate. And I'd I thought the Lord was really going in towards prosperity and healing and, and things like this, but I really felt like where the Lord was really going in was on a spiritual, on the spiritual side. But I also wanted, I want to say this on a little side note. It's not God's will for you to be poor. 
It's not God's will for you to be sick. It's not God's will for you to do without. And if you have questions on that, you can see me afterwards and we'll, we'll talk about that. But that's not what we're talking about here tonight. But to be poor in spirit is not to be lacking. It's not to be impoverished. Uh, <clears throat> it's not to be barren or inadequate. Poor in spirit, after some commentary and after dissecting these words, is really a emptying ourselves of ourselves and becoming completely dependent upon God. It is an emptying ourselves of ourself and becoming completely dependent upon God. Now, in our lives, especially guys or men, we are taught to do it ourselves, you know, grab the bull by the horns, make it work, put the time in. But when we look inside the kingdom of God, we're going to see here in Scripture that God's desire was never for us to get to a place where we're not dependent upon him. That we don't, that we quit asking him for help. Pastor did a series on that here a while back, let him help. I thought that was so good because in the world that we live in today, it's about self-sufficiency, doing it on our own, making it happen on our own. But the reality inside of God's word is he never wants us to get to a place where we're not dependent upon him for everything that we do, whether that's spirit, soul, or body. Matthew chapter 18. And you can turn there real quickly if you want to. I'm having to make myself slow down because I really want to just get in here and then just because a lot uh, we talked about in Timothy, as you're turning there, we talked in Timothy Project last night about what, you know, whether sometimes we're too transparent, not transparent enough. And so some of this is from personal experience. And I, I believe today that it's going to help some people in here is uh, living the life where uh, you're dependent upon God. Matthew 18 and 1 it says, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's a pretty powerful question there, right? Now, Jesus didn't just uh, fly by the seat of his pants. He was very uh, detailed in what he did. He was very purposeful in what he did. He was also very purposeful in what he said. And Jesus called a little child unto him, verse 2, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, there's some key words here I want us to get, except you be converted and become as, a little, as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now we know to be converted is to turn or to change and to, to turn, I believe, what is being said here in, in the light of this whole uh, message tonight, this study, is to turn from self-sufficient to total dependency. Now, when we talk about that, I'm not talking about being lifeless, okay? I'm not talking about just laying around like a, like a limp noodle and never doing anything. But I begin to think about a child, you know, child's, uh, the typical child and an obedient child. Let me, let me say that. When you tell them to do something, they do what they're told. Uh, but 
if they're not told to do something, they're just going to kind of go play and do what they want to do and just kind of live that carefree life, right? But when they're given something to do, they do it. I really feel like that's the relationship that God wants us to have with him is not that we're lifeless and we don't ever do anything, but it's not, it never was his plan for when we don't know what to do for us to sit around and to wring our hands and to worry and to live in stress and to live in anxiety, thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we're going to learn here in just a little bit when we, well, going back to um, the definition of poor in spirit is, is uh, one of the things was asking, asking God for help, asking him, what do, you know, in this situation, what do I need to do? And not trying to make it happen yourself, but waiting for an answer, yeah. waiting for an answer. So uh, it's not lifelessness, but my actions being from trust in God and I, I wrote this out, my father, because he's, you know, sometimes when we say God, uh, I mean, certainly that's a term of respect for sure and, and, a, and a worthy title. But I like to refer to him a lot of times as my father. That puts him in the place of whenever he, we were reading there in Matthew 18, that puts us in the places I'm his child. I'm his child. And I, it never was... I mean, even though now my parents are not here, I don't think so. Um, I'm 48, and I'm still my mother's son. But there are some things that my mom expects out of me at 48 that maybe she didn't when I was five. Uh, well, I better not tell that story. Uh, <laughs> But what I'm trying to say, I mean, there, there's a growing in the Lord. Don't get me wrong. There's, we mature in the Lord. But also understanding that we need to kind of maintain that childlike uh, thought process in the, in the sense of I am depending on God. I, I, there's never a place where I'm not going to depend on God. There's never an age to get to where I quit asking God for help. So we're not talking about being lifeless here. We're talking about building a trust uh, in my Father through his word, which his word is a, a declaration of, and get this, what has already been provided for me through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So a lot of times what we will see is the things that we're asking for has already been provided uh, inside this word. Now, this is really what I wanted to, uh, area I was really wanting to get to quickly, is... There are a lot of times where we have head knowledge of what God's Word is saying, but maybe we don't uh, seek and knock in and try to get that revelation uh, of what God's Word is saying. Uh, what brings me into trust is not, sent out, is not simply head knowledge, uh, but a revelation. And a revelation is really just a, a lot, an enlightening. Um, Webster's put it like this, like something you heard for the first time and the light comes on. You know we, how you can read things and read things and read things and then you read it and it's like, oh, you know, I, I get it. That's kind of what I'm talking about uh, through a revelation. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 3,
Are you with me tonight? Okay. We don't need just a word. We need a rhema word. Paul said this, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. And I, that was just a verse that come to me in prayer, and I had to look up where it was at. But how about that by revelation, um, God made known unto him the mystery. Now, I don't want you to think for one minute that I'm discrediting knowledge. That's, that's not what I'm doing. I, I was re, I've been rereading Vic Porter's leadership, skills, uh, leadership Principles book, and he made this statement, Knowledge always precedes faith. Knowledge always precedes faith. And I would say it's impossible to have faith in something you don't know. Right. And when I say what you don't know, uh, what I mean by it, you have no clue of its existence. If you've never read the Word of God and you don't know what it says, how can you have faith in what it says if you don't know what it says, if you have no clue? So I'm not saying knowledge. Don't, don't, we're not discrediting knowledge here tonight. But we're understanding also that when I do get that knowledge that I need to get a revelation of that. It, I need to have an enlightening on that. Um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, paraphrasing, uh, and I'm not going to make you turn there because I just read this uh, not very long ago, but it says that the, the natural can't know the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. I've talked to people that were going to try to clean their life up, not get saved, uh, not get born again, but they were going to start going to church. They were going to start reading their Bible. They were going to quit cussing. They were going to quit drinking. They were going to quit smoking. And I thought, isn't that really sad that if they could do all those things, but the problem is, is they got a head knowledge that I need to do these, these things, but they never got a revelation of, I can quit doing all these things, but if I never come into a saving relation with Jesus Christ, I'm still as lost as I was before I stopped doing those things. So we need more than just a head knowledge. We need a revelation. And we're going to get to that talking about grace here in just a little bit. Uh, as I said, it's, it's really impossible to have faith in something you don't know. And like I said, what, what I mean by what you don't know is uh, no clue of its existence. As I was uh, praying today, the Lord really brought this to me, keeping in mind Paul wasn't quoting New Testament Scripture uh, when he... And here in Ephesians, because at that point there wasn't any. There wasn't any. The word revelation, as we said, is to make, it's really to make known through divine inspiration. And I'm not, a lot of people say, well, that, then we don't need the Word of God. And, and that's not what I'm saying. Um, if it was written, obviously it was being written as Paul was talking. Uh, if it was written through divine inspiration, when we read it, we receive it through divine inspiration. And really that word receive means we permit it to enter uh, through that divine revelation. It's great to have a head knowledge. As I said, you can, you can come across blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. And you can get a head knowledge and, th and have a wrong... Uh, Say it again. 
interpretation. Thank you. Man, isn't she great? You can get a wrong, you can get a wrong interpretation of what that means. So just having head knowledge is not all what you need. You need a revelation of what it's saying. Man, I'm really laying a huge foundation here. I'm not even to what I'm talking about here yet. So we need to get a divine inspiration, and we need to read it with divine inspiration, going back to the 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. The natural man, I, I've had friends uh, that have come back. They, they didn't have a saving uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, to my knowledge, and even to their admittance, but they were reading the Bible, and they couldn't understand it. And I thought, absolutely you're not going to understand it. It's spiritually discerned. Uh, that's why a lot of people, uh, critics, read the Bible and say it's contradicting itself. Well, it's because you're not reading it uh, with the author on the inside of you. That's why you're not getting it. So we need to know what the Word says because knowledge precedes faith. But after the intellectual, we need to seek a revelation, uh, an enlightenment. I know that Pastor Tom, through uh, tapes that I've listened to, talked a lot about revelation knowledge. Getting revelation knowledge. We need revelation knowledge of the Word of God. Now, the in-depth area that the Holy Spirit uh, was really dealing with me powerfully on was this today. And, you know, when we start studying and we start praying and, you know, we get this, you know, doodads all over and we really think we've got something that nobody's taught before and that this is going to be very inspirational and I hope that it is. But understanding the Lord doesn't ever give a word to any of his ministers that's not talking to somebody in the room. But I really do believe this is for someone or someones, or God wouldn't have laid this on my heart. And it's about getting a revelation knowledge of grace. And that people they have an intellectual knowledge of grace, but they haven't received a revelation of grace. They know Romans 10, 9 and 10. They, uh, let me go ahead and read that just in case you don't know what, what it says. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 7 through 9, um, or sorry, sorry, starting in verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and, not, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we, they know that intellectually by memorization, but if you're not careful, you'll just get a head knowledge of what that is and you don't get a heart knowledge or a revelation knowledge on the inside of you of what that is. You know, Romans 10 and 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, uh, but not just any word. Right. It's... Faith comes through, that word, word there, actually does, as we said earlier, means a, it means rhema or an anointed word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the anointed word of God. 
So not just an, an intellectual word, but we need an anoint. I don't need only. Again, I'm not discrediting knowledge. I'm not discrediting information, but I don't just need information. I don't just need memorization. I need the anointed word so that I can get a revelation of who I am in Jesus Christ. Not, and I used to say we need to know who we are in Christ, but the reality is this. You need to get a revelation of who you are in Christ. You need to know that you know that you know that you know. You would be surprised, and I can say this because I used to be one of them that laid down at night wondering, how do I really know? How do I really know that if I die, I'm going to go to heaven? How do I trust in this book with an eternal, the possibility of eternal damnation? <laughs> and I would think thoughts like this. Wouldn't it be sad if I went through my whole life serving the Lord to the best of my ability and I fell short just a little bit? All of that work, all of that time. This is a prison that a lot of religious people are in today. All of that time, all of that effort, and still go to hell. Well, see, that's having a head knowledge of grace and not having a heartfelt revelation of grace that when I lay down at night, lay down at night I know this, it's not by my works that I'm saved anyways. I'm saved by grace in Jesus Christ, and thank God that I listened to the voice of God out of blind ignorance left where I was, and God led me to this place so that I could get a real revelation, Kyle, that I'm born again. Amen. I'm a child of God. My dependency is on Him. I don't have to move until He tells me to do something. So I don't need just an intellectual word. I need an anointed word. <clears throat> Isaiah 10 and 27, and it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that this burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And I know that's a, a religious catchphrase. The anointing breaks the yoke. But let me tell you something. That's, that's a reality, that the anointing breaks that heavy yoke, that that heavy yoke that intellectual knowledge can put on you, that the revelation knowledge can come in and can break that yoke off you, that you can know, that you know, that you know when you lay down at night, that you believe it in your heart, you've confessed it with your mouth, and you're as saved as saved can get. Saved is saved. No one's more saved than the other person. Saved is saved. One of the telltale signs that people are trying to receive grace just by knowledge is they carry a yoke of producing their own righteousness. And people say, how do you know? Because I used to do it. I don't have to talk about anybody else's experience. I can talk about mine. Carrying that yoke every day. How do I really know? How do I really know that I'm born again? How do I really know? As I said, if I die, I'm not going to go to hell. I've got an intellectual knowledge of it, but you know what's lacking? A trust. A revelation will bring you into trust, and it will bring you into doing. 
intellect when you when you shift from intellectual into a revelation you sh you shift from being a hearer to becoming a doer i felt that there were times in my life i felt that if i'd done everything right then i had the right to approach god and receive something from him uh maybe it was dylan or brett one of the two Man, we, we get into some deep, deep conversations. And pastor, too. We let her in there sometimes. <laughs> I got to say, it has just been great having Dylan on full-time staff. I mean, I'm serious. All the staff is great. Don't get me wrong. I, I built friendships with them. But, man, Dylan, it's just been, thank God. Thank God. We did man stuff last week, didn't we? We delivered, we picked up, we sweated. I, I can sweat too. I didn't know Dylan. I thought Dylan's the only one that could sweat like that. I, I sweating too. But anyways, we get into some deep conversations, but this came to me, as I said, I felt like if I didn't, I, I didn't cuss that day. And I'm not a cursor, okay? I'm just saying, you know, I didn't get mad and cuss. Uh, I didn't drink, I don't, and I don't drink. Haven't drank in years. I didn't gossip about nobody that day. I didn't listen to rock music. I listened to worship music. Uh, went to church twice that week. Uh, Brett, I read my four chapters, not just three. I read my four. Uh, I prayed for 30 minutes, not 29. I did my 30. <laughs> and I thought, I've got a right to approach the throne of grace. I've got a right to go into his presence now. And then you'd come across... Uh, Isaiah 64 and 6 that would say my righteousness is filthy rags and then I would read in 2 Corinthians 3 and 5 that my sufficiency is in Christ and I had read in Paul's epistles that is by grace that I have been saved and not of works so that no man could boast and I, I, I had this head knowledge of that, but I didn't have a revelation of that. And the reality is, is when we feel like we've checked off all the boxes and we've done everything right and we've, well, we've just been a good boy or a good girl and done everything that we know to do right and then we feel like now I'm going to go into God's presence because I've got this right and then I would read, I got a revelation of this uh, Isaiah 64 and 6. It would be like God, when, when you approach the presence of God and he walks in the room and that's what you're bringing, it's like, whew, it stinks in here. Like the old coaches in, in, in football when we wouldn't take our towels home to wash them <laughs> and they would walk in and say, fellas, something stinks. It's time to take those towels home and wash them. I really feel like that's what God is like. That's not what I'm looking for. Because if, and we'll get to this here in a minute, if that was what it took for, for salvation, there was no need in Jesus coming. There was no need in him suffering and going through all that he did if that was already attainable. 
And I had these in my mind, but I didn't have in my heart. And when you don't have it in your heart and you don't have a revelation of the grace of God, it shows up in anger. It shows up in frustration. It shows up in anxiety. It shows up in seasons of depression. Um, It shows up in abusing things to check out. Hello? Using anything to check out. There were times in my life that uh, I never was a substance abuser, but I thought, and, and this is kind of funny because people would say, I don't know a lot of preachers. They don't, they don't preach against cigarette smoking no more. I thought, well, the Bible says a lot more about gluttony than it does about cigarette smoking. Come on. What I'm getting to is this. There's a lot of times a, a double quarter pounder and a supersize and large diet Dr. Dr. Pepper, vegging out in front of the TV because I didn't want to deal with the stuff no more, using anything as a catalyst to check out. That shows up when you just got a head knowledge, but you don't got a revelation. I was afraid to become poor in spirit because as a child, and become as a child and empty myself of myself, and what I thought I knew, and ask God for help, and become totally dependent upon Him for my salvation. I used to believe that the grace message was giving people a right to sin. Well, we all know, students of the Word here tonight, we all know that sin when it fully matures, brings death. That's what the book of James says, right? But God gave me this revelation of grace in it's not giving people a right to sin which leads to death, but the revelation that God gave me is that grace is a message that is showing people that through Jesus Christ and his blood that they have a right to live. They got a right to live. Even when I mess up, I've got a right to stay in the grace of God. I got, I got the ability to stay in right standing with God. Not just because I was perfect that day. Now, I'm not telling you, this is not a license to sin, okay? And they always talk about license to sin like people really need one. Uh, we do good enough without a license, right? I don't need no help. I don't need a class on show me how to sin. I'm real good. Uh, on my own. Uh, so it's not this license to go out and just do what you want to do. But there was one thing, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I found that the closer I moved into a revelation of the grace of God, that sin become repulsive to me. It become gross. Because then I come to this, this other revelation that all this stuff in my life that had been happening to me, you run across verses like Romans 6 and 16, that I'm a servant to what I, what I yield myself to. Blaming God, blaming the devil, and the whole time it was me. You know, when you finally get a revelation of what sin is and what it's doing, you will quit putting it out in front of yourself and quit tripping over it. 
Doesn't mean you're not going to slip up along the way. Doesn't mean things aren't going to happen. But it means this, if it does, the Bible says if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I'm thankful that his blood covers all my sin. Hang on to your hats. Past, present, future. Past, present, and future. I need grace because even on my best day, my righteousness stinks. And if righteousness was attainable on my own, there was no need for Jesus. There was no need for him. And I know that these maybe are not earth-shattering things to you, but the Lord began to show me where I was to where I am now. I'm not saying I got, got it all figured out. I still wake up going, oh, you know, oh, through the day, oh, I, you know, the light coming on a lot of things. But there was one area that I needed the <clears throat> grace is like this foundation. And if you try to build your house on a foundation that is shaky, then the rest of the house, it, when you finish it, it might look good for a little while. But when the drywall starts cracking and everything, and the, and the mortar on the brick starts cracking and everything starts falling apart, you realize, hey, you got yourself a problem. But it's better to just realize, hey, I need to go back and relay this foundation of who I am in Christ and not just knowing that, but getting a revelation of that, of that grace on the inside of me, knowing that my right, that a lot of people want to clean up and come to God. And I'm like, if you could clean up, what's the sense in going to God? You go to God and you let him clean you up through his grace and through his love for you. So whether it's grace for salvation uh, or whether it is uh, grace for all the promises that are available to us, that's, a, that's, one, that's the area I thought I was going to get to go is when you're believing God for things, quit trying to do it on your own and just ask God. Simplify it. Just ask God. Don't lay around like a limp noodle when he gives you something to do. Go do it. Okay. But we're not going to teach about that. It's because we're wrapping up here. Whether it's grace for salvation or revelation of all the promises that are available to us, I've got to become poor in spirit. I've got to empty myself of myself. And the second thing I need to do is just simply ask. If you don't know, ask. God, give me a revelation of what this means. Uh, if it's healing you need in your body, ask God to give you a revelation of Isaiah 53 and 5. Don't just get a head knowledge of it. We know that the Word says that, but we need to get a revelation of what that actually is. Right. I've, uh, the revelation that God gave me on that, and I'm, I'm trying to close here, the revelation that God gave me on that was every stripe that Jesus took that I'm... I know that Hollywood has tried to portray that the best of their knowledge, but I don't think they scratched the surface of what really was going on there. And every stripe, it, it blows my mind when people think that being sick is the will of God when every gruesome stripe across his back was for my healing. I, I, shouldn't stay, I shouldn't have a mindset of staying sick when I know that Jesus did that for me. So I did. if he took the stripes for my healing, why would he expect the sickness to stay on me? I mean, how dumb can we be and still be breathing? 
We got to get, uh, and I'm saying, you got to get a revelation of that, okay? I've been there before. I, we all knew that, you know, uh, he took his stripes for our healing, but understanding maybe the healing was for when we got to heaven because it wasn't happening right now. So uh, it must not, that must not be the will of God or it'd be happening. I mean, obviously, I'm not doing anything wrong. There are times in our life where when things aren't working, that is a, could be a timing issue, or it could just be you've not asked God to get a revelation of it. So we need to empty ourselves. We need to ask. John 16, 24, Jesus said, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Final thought, be fully dependent upon God. And quit trying to figure it out and just move when he gives you something to do. And until you know what to do, just enjoy your life that is hidden in Christ. Just enjoy your life. You know, John 10, 10, sometimes that thievery is your peace and your joy of why is this not happening? Why is this not happening? Why is this not happening? And that's one of the ploys of the enemy there. And I just want to encourage you today, ask God to get a revelation of it. If I'm doing something wrong, show me. If it's a timing issue, show me. But we, we take ourselves out of the I'm going to do this on my own, and we begin to take on that childlike faith where we ask God and we depend on God, and we just sit around and enjoy life until he tells us what to do. Amen?